This morning, I want to continue in our series uh, called uh, Family Matters. And uh, last week, uh, Dudley uh, kicked it off, and I thought he did a great job. Those videos said it all, didn't they? And, uh, and so he talked about uh, connecting in relationship. And so uh, as, uh, as he kicked it off, he followed it up this past Wednesday, uh, and he'll be doing three more Wednesdays in this series that he's doing on relationships. And there was a great turnout. I encourage you, if you didn't make it the first Wednesday, encourage you to come out and, uh, and take part. Um, this coming Wednesday, he'll be talking about feelings of empathy and vulnerability. And then the following week, he'll talk about repairing and reconnecting relationships. And then the follow, the final week, he'll be talking about staying connected and living wholeheartedly. And so for the entire month of February, we're going to be dealing with the subject of relationships. Why such an emphasis on relationships? Well, as I mentioned last week, I believe, I really believe this, that the quality of our life is largely dependent on our relationships, the quality of our relationships. You know, I, I mean, if think about this with me, you can have a million dollars in your pocket, but if you don't have a friend, or if all your relationships are conflict and you're living at odds with everybody around you, what good is having a million dollars? You're going to have to spend it all on counseling, right? <laughs> Amen? The quality of someone's life is largely dependent on their relationships. And I think that's why Jesus made it very clear that the top two most important commandments in all of the Bible has to do with relationships. In Matthew 22, 37, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then the, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus emphasized the importance of relationships with these two commandments. And what are they? Love God and love others, basically, right? And so, you know, as Dudley pointed out, you know, last Sunday, these two commandments, they reveal our greatest needs. We need God's love. How many of you know that? You know, so we, sometimes we, you know, for some of us, we lived, we tried to live our life without the love of God. And then we came to a screeching halt. We ended up broken and empty and we realized, man, I need God, right? And then, you know, for, for, for us, uh, we think, well, all I need is God's love. I don't need anybody else. And then we find out, no, we have to have each other's love. We need to be connected, right? And so that's why we took the first month of January just to deal with this relationship with God, because that's first. You got to get your relationship with God right. But then after that, you got to get your other relationships right. Now, why is that so important? Today, I want to talk about, about family health, family health. And why is that so important? Well, you know, a recent stat says that 75% of our population have grown up in a dysfunctional family or in a broken home. And so what that means is that one, one in, in, uh, one out of every three people are broken or they've come up in a very broken society. And so which leaves most of us with two major challenges in our life. And the first challenge is this. We're trying to get healed 
personally from the negative effects of growing up in a a home that wasn't healthy. Are y'all with me out there? And we're like, man, golly. I mean, we're trying to get all this. We're trying to figure this thing out. But the second challenge is not only are we trying to get healthy ourselves, but the second challenge is we're trying to figure out how to turn this thing around, how to turn the tide. And we're trying to figure out how do we raise a healthy family? Are y'all with me? Now, I know some of you in here have been privileged to be raised in a healthy family, a healthy environment. But the question is, what kind of family are you going to raise? What kind of environment is your children going to come up in? How many of you know, if we if we have healthy families, our whole world will do better. Amen? So here's why family health is so important. Number one, the family is the cornerstone of God's creation. There are three things we need to know about the family. Number one, the family unit has been around since creation. You know, today in our day and age, it seems like our culture and, and different people, they're trying to uh, to minimize the value of the family. And it's all about individualism. And they're trying to redefine what a family is and all that stuff. And so in the midst of our culture, we're hearing this message. Well, family is well, whatever you want it to be. And, and you don't need all that stuff. But how many of you know family is God's idea? And in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is right for him. Verse 21, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took one of the man's ribs, closed up the opening, and then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. So right here in Genesis, the book of beginnings, we find the first marriage established by God, Adam and Eve, a man and a woman. In chapter four, in verse one of Genesis, it says, now Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. Now, right here in Genesis, in the first book of the Bible, in the book of the beginnings, you find the very first marriage as well as the very first family. The creation of the family was the high point of God's creation. After he created all the birds and the animals and everything, he didn't stop there. He's like, okay, I need to create humanity. I need to create humans in my image, in my likeness. And then he created Adam and he said, that's not good enough. I need to create Eve. And so he created Adam and Eve and they had relations and they had children. There you go. There is the family. Now, if family is not important, why would God put it in the beginning, in the beginning of creation? How many of you know family is important? And God designed the family with a purpose. He didn't just design the family. He designed the family with a purpose. In Genesis 1, 27, it says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. 
Now, Genesis reminds us that there was a reason, there was a purpose that God created the family. And so the two clear purposes is, number one, God's purpose for the Christian family was to to fill the earth through procreation. Listen, the difference in male and females make up what, the difference between the male and the female make up was to fulfill the God-given purpose to procreate. Do you realize that if we didn't have male and female, the population would die off? That's the only way the earth continues to get populated is through procreation. Verse 28, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I see Miss Babs here. Brother Francis, his notorious saying was, y'all have more babies. And, and the, the moms look at him like, yeah, easy for you to say, come on, have more babies. He was pro-life and he was pro-family, amen? And he said, have more babies. But think of it, God created the male and the female. And if he wouldn't have created us like we were created, the whole human race would die off in one generation. So the first purpose of the family was procreation. But number two, God's second purpose for the Christian family was to influence the earth. Notice what he says in verse 28. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. The second purpose for the Christian family was to govern the earth. Now, I believe governing the earth means to Exert godly influence. How many of you know God wants us to have an influence in the society we live in? In fact, in the New Testament, it talks about the church being the pillow, the, the, not the pillow, but the pillar. And we are the pillar of, of, of society, right? And so it means to establish God's rule and God's reign in the earth. In, in Matthew chapter five, Jesus said in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. In verse 14, he said, you are the light of the world. How many of you know we are called to be light? We're called to be salt and to influence this world with godly morals and godly influence. Are y'all with me out there? And when God decided, how will I influence the entire world? He created the family and he said, now you be fruitful and multiply and you subdue or you rule or you govern this world. So God's two purposes, reproduction and godly influence. Now listen, God has a purpose for you and your family. God didn't just create you and put you on this earth and you're just existing. No, God has a purpose for your life. And unless you, first of all, understand the value of the family, number one, and that's a big deal. I think that today where, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you didn't have to talk about this. But I think today we have to say, hey, gang, listen, family is important. Family is most important. Amen. And it's, it's got a purpose. And so we need to know that. But number two, God designed the family to, or number three, to be the stabilizing factor in our society. In, in Matthew chapter four and verse five, it says this, I, the Lord promise to send the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day comes. He will lead children and parents to love each other more so that when I come, I won't bring doom to the land. Now, this is the last verses of scripture in the, in the Old Testament. And God was basically saying, I think through the prophet Malachi, I'm going to bring healing and health to families. 
That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring restoration. I'm going to turn the hearts of the fathers towards the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And notice what he says in verse six. He will lead children and parents to love each other more so that when I come, I won't bring doom to the land. So Malachi tells us having healthy family keeps the land from being doomed, or another translation says, to be cursed. How many of you know that healthy families are the stabilizing factor in our society? In fact, statistics prove that, that as the family goes, so goes the nation. And so people who are most emotionally, spiritually, and psychologically healthy are those that were raised in healthy family environments. And those who struggle most emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, relationally, are those who were raised in a dysfunctional environment. Are y'all still tracking with me right now? And so as the family goes, so goes the health and strength of our society. So healthy families really are the cornerstone of our society. Now, let me just pause for just a moment because, you know, I know that some of you, that you you tried to do your best to raise a godly family, and for some of you, it didn't come out so well. It didn't come out so good. And, and so you, you kind of discouraged. But I want to encourage you today. God loves the family. He thinks the family is very important. He's with you. He's on your side. And as long as your children are still breathing, I want you to have hope today, amen, that God's on your side. And I'm telling you that regardless of how how far away they may seem and how dysfunctional your family may be right now, I want you to have hope this morning that the God that we serve can do miracles and he can change your family dynamic around in Jesus' name, amen? Come on, y'all believe that this morning. And so healthy families really is the cornerstone of our society. That's why we need to do the best that we can to strengthen our families. Listen, if you're a man, if you're a husband, if you're hearing me, your most important job is not your business or your job. It is your family. If you're a, a, a lady that's married and you have a family, your important, most important job is not everything else there is to do. It's your family. Your family is the most important thing that we need to focus on. Because listen, whenever you get on your dying bed, whenever you're about ready to expire, you're not going to ask for your stocks or your bonds or your business, uh, profit and loss statement, what you're going to want is those that you love to be around your bedside. Are y'all with me out there? That's why God said, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because it's the most important thing. If you got that, say, I got that. Amen. Now, the second reason family health is so important, number two, the family is the health unit for humanity. I couldn't think of a better word, so I used health unit. Now, a basic health unit is the first level of health care, and it's considered to be necessary to maintain adequate health and protection from disease. And so whenever you have children and you want to get them um, not vaccinated, but... Um, Immunize, immunize, not, not vaccinated, but you know, you know, a health unit is where you go, right? And so the health unit, the family is kind of like a health unit. It helps maintain adequate care and protection for our families. 
from the adversity of this world and its negative effects. How do you turn your home into a health unit? In other words, whenever you want to get phys- physical health for people, if, if, even if they don't have any insurance, you can go to the health unit, right? The family is a type of health unit. When God thinks about how do I take care of my children? How do I take care of humanity? I believe that the reason, one of the purposes that he created the family was to be a health unit, to be a, a, an environment where we could be nurtured and we could be taken care of. And so how do you turn a family into a health unit? There are three critical functions of a family, uh, a healthy family. And the first one is this. It's the family provides a shelter for storms of life. It should be a shelter. Your house should be a shelter. It's not supposed to be just a bed and breakfast or a tax deduction. Amen? And of course, it's not supposed to be uh, an MMA, an MMA ring, right? You know, it's not supposed to be that. A family is supposed to be a place of refuge. A family is supposed to be a place of rest. In fact, Proverbs 14.26 says, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. The Living Bible says it like this. His children have a place of refuge and security. Now listen, we all go through hardships. We all go through hard times. We all face adversity in life. But you know what? The family is supposed to be the place that we go to to get comfort and to get shielded from the storms of life. Are y'all with me out there? You know, there's three types of storms. There's a storm of of change. And you know, whenever life brings change, have you noticed that? You know, whenever you're, you know, whenever you're just a, a small child, you don't think about this, but even as a teenager, they realize, man, whenever they get into their senior year, they're like, wow, I'm about to finish high school. And then I, then I got to go like get a job or something, you know, and, and I got to go to college and, and nobody's going to make me go. I got to go on my own. And, and then you get married and, and you think, wow, that's a change. And then you think, wow, that's a big transition. Like I got to share. And, uh, and I gotta clean up after myself. And I mean, it's amazing the things that happen, you know? And, and so, uh, you, you know, you get married and then you have children and then, oh, that, that is a huge change, right? I mean, you, you like to sleep all night, but your children, especially infants, like they like to eat a lot and they, they like to eat every few hours and, and they want you to get up and feed them, right? How many of you know that's change right there, right? And so life brings change. And so you, your spouse, your children, we go through change. And we need a place that's safe and secure. And so, you know, it's easy for us to think, well, yeah, if you have children, you have an infant. Yeah, it's a shelter from the storm. Hey, we'll take care of you. We'll provide for you. But wouldn't it be great to change change our thinking? Marriage is supposed to be a shelter. It's supposed to be a storm shelter. It's supposed to be a place that we go and we rest. And so you could go home and you could get away from all the winds and the waves of life and the adversity of life and just rest. Amen. Are y'all with me out there? And so, you know, whenever Mr. Aaron went through his seizure, and by the way, uh, I don't know, I, you know, he's hadn't been here for the last few weeks because he fell 
at physical therapy and, and fractured a couple of ribs. And so he's in the midst of, of recouping from that. And so, uh, you know, he's got to wear one of those belts. So when he laughs, it doesn't hurt. You know, those of you that have had, but you know, whenever he went through all that, man, you could see the family unit. And I know you can too. Whenever you go through difficult times, it seems like you can get by okay on your own. But when you go through a, a storm, man, you realize we need family. We need family. Amen. But, but here's another storm, failure. Look, nobody wins all the time. Everybody has, has failures, right? Everybody has bad days, bad weeks. People get fired. You lose your job. You don't get that business deal. Come on. How many of you know? You, you experience failure sometimes. And again, where do you go whenever you face failure out there? Where do you go? Wouldn't it be great if we could go home and when we close that door behind us, it's like the wind. Like, I don't know if you've been in a hurricane and you, and something's flying around and you go outside in the middle of the hurricane and, and you know, uh, you know, it, it, you better hang on, you know, and then you close that door and it's like, wow, it's nice to be out of the wind. The family is supposed to be that shelter. And when you go out there in the world and you, and you don't get that business deal or times are tough or you're struggling financially, if you could come home and you could find a place of shelter, man, that would make life a lot easier, right? You see the vision, you see the goal. And then of course, the storm of rejection. People reject you. People hurt you. They criticize you. Life can be ruthless and unfair. But I want you to know that God designed the family to be that place of shelter. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. So how do you create a shelter in your house, in your home. Number one, provide a listening ear. We all want to be listened to. A listening ear goes a long way when you're hurting, right? If you could just tell, you know, man, isn't it good sometimes to get it off your chest and you didn't knock somebody out? Isn't it great? And you could just say, let me tell you what just happened to me. And you throw up, you know, and your spouse is going like, oh man, this is gross, you know? But we need, we need people to listen to us. So there has to be, listen, by the way, our children need an ear as well, right? Offer a hug. We all need physical affection. We all need hugs and kisses. In fact, that video of Miss Gladys last week is a picture of that, right? Extend a helping hand. Offer to give your family practical help when they need it and give them hope. We need to, we need to encourage one another. We need to build each other up, right? I mean, there's enough people trying to knock us down. Come on, come on. We, the body of Christ, we need to be the encouragers, amen? Come on, let's not doom and gloom everybody in our home. Come on, let's build them up, amen? And listen, if you've been towards the negative, work on that and start building up those that are around you and you can turn your home into a shelter, amen? A second function of the family is not only should it be a shelter, but the family is where we develop responsibility and maturity. You know, I tell, I tell people this all the time. Whenever you get married, hold on. Cause you're, you're going to mature. You know, I thought I was a spiritual giant till I got married. And then I thought, man, I'm back in elementary again, right? 
Because once you, once you get married and you have to live in the same household and they get to see you 24 seven, you know, and uh, well, good days, bad days, you know, right? I mean, it, you have a greater accountability level there. And so you got to work on yourself. Amen. And, you know, I remember when we got married and, and Tanya said, like, Todd, you know, I put the hamper for the dirty clothes in the utility room, you know, where the wash and dryer is. I like you to put the clothes in there. And I looked at her like a cow at a new gate. And I said, I had the hamper. Y'all don't, don't, don't laugh too much, but I had it in the closet, in the walk-in closet. And I said, look, that's the closest place. She's like, yeah, but your clothes, after you've worn them, they stink. And when you put them in the hamper, in the closet, you stink up the clean clothes. You need to put it in the utility room. You expect me to, yes, I expect you to, come on, how many of you know, we need help, amen. We need help. The family is a laboratory to learn how to be responsible and to mature, right? Ephesians 6, 4 says this, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We are to discipline and instruct our children. And I think when we make them angry is when we do it in an ungodly way, right? So we got to discipline them. We got to give them instruction in a godly way, right? Psalm 144 and 12 says, let our sons in their youth be a grown as grown plants and our daughters as corner pillars fashioned as for a palace. We are to grow our children up in the mature, responsible adults, right? The home is the laboratory. The home is the place where our children are supposed to learn. And we are supposed to learn from each other, from, from our spouse and from our children. And so we are to learn from our family, right? We are to learn relationships, learn how to relate to people in our home, learn how to learn right or wrong. Uh, our children learn how to get along in our home and how to resolve conflict, right? And they, they're supposed to learn that. So if you're a parent, don't let your children be disrespectful to other children or let them be rude and ugly to other people. That won't work well on the job. How many of you know that? Right? And so, so you got to teach them how to get along, how to develop relationally. And so whenever they get out into the world, they, they don't struggle to make friends wherever they go because they know how to relate. We got to teach them character. How many of you know character is more caught than taught? And so we teach them character by modeling character. Come on, y'all help me preach right here. I can tell this is getting a little tight right here. Our children become more like us than we really want them to become like us, right? Whenever we start seeing a mini me and we go, oh no, they're acting just like me. Sometimes that's good, but sometimes it ain't good, right? And so, you know, you've heard the, the, um, uh, you know, the, the saying, uh, like father, like son, like mother, like daughter, that, that really happens a lot. And so if we're going to teach them character, we, they have to see that in the laboratory of the family. And so, you know, one of the things that, um, 
you know, that Brother Francis, you know, I, I, I keep bringing up Brother Francis, but just, you know, because it's very fresh. But, you know, Gwen and Tony and, and, and Debbie, you know, uh, and Miss Babs, she said, you know, I never heard Brother Francis raise his voice. And I'll put my head down. Like, I can't say that. And Miss Babs said, well, I can't either. But, you know, how many of you know that we got to be a model if we want to teach our children character, and that's where you work on it. You know, you can, you could get along with people at work because you ain't gotta, you know, you, you don't have to really rub elbows with them that much. But in your house, you gotta live in close proximity where you smell each other's breath and stuff, right? So it's a good place to develop character and then values. We learn what's really important. And we, again, it's more taught, it's more caught than taught. We teach our children what's important in life, intentionally or unintentionally. And sometimes we learn from each other because we might have grew up in a dysfunctional family with a priority of family that was, it was messed up. It wasn't proper. And then maybe you married somebody and, and, and they had more of a pri, a, a correct priority. And we learn and they help us learn. And we might fight and we might scream. But you know what? It's just like being on the potter's wheel. The family is the laboratory to teach us responsibility and maturity. Amen. And so that's where we learn. Luke 2.52 says Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with men. Now, Luke 2 lists four targeted areas of areas that we want to mature and we want to grow in. Jesus grew in wisdom. That's intellectual development. Jesus grew in stature. That's physical development. Jesus grew in favor with God. That's spiritual development. Jesus grew in favor with God and with men. That's social development. And you know what? As adults, it would be great for us to grow in those four areas. Just because we got a, a, a large number for our age doesn't mean we're mature and doesn't mean we're responsible. How many of you know you could grow old and not grow mature? Come on. How many of you know you could grow old and not be responsible? And so we got to learn to be responsible and we got to learn how to be mature, right? And where do you learn that? I'm telling you. Your wife is God's tool to help you grow up. Come on, your husband is God's tool to help you grow up. Amen. Your children is God's tool. Can I keep going? This church is God's tool to help you grow up. Your workplace is God's tool to help you mature and to grow up. We can either fight it or we can work with it and let God do in us everything that God wants to do. Amen. How do you... How do you uh, grow or mature as a family or as a person in the family? Now, here's the third function of the family. The home is a place to have fun, relax, kick back, and enjoy life. I love Ecclesiastes 9.9 says, enjoy life with the woman whom you love. Proverbs 5.18 says, be happy with your wife and find your joy with the girl you married. Psalm 127, children are a gift from God. They are his reward. You know what these verses are saying? I believe, enjoy your family, enjoy your kids, and have fun. You know, again, like, you know, working offshore, you know, I'd hear these guys talk about their old lady, and the way they would refer to their wife, and, you know, it was just like, man, 
you know, it was different. And then I'd come to church here and I would see different families and the way they function. And they, it looked like they enjoyed being with each other. And it looked like they were happy, you know, and I thought, you know what? I don't want, I don't want to get married and have an old lady. I want to get married and have fun. Come on, I want to enjoy life. What about you? Amen. And so the world's mentality is you got to tolerate family. And I'm here to tell you, don't tolerate it. Man, enjoy it. Let it be a blessing. Come on. If you agree, say amen. Amen. And so enjoy your family, enjoy your kids and have fun. You know, Tanya and I, we went years thinking we could never have a family. And so whenever Tanya got pregnant, we had Olivia. We just cherished Olivia so much because for years we didn't think we could have any, any children, you know. And then we got the double blessing. They got married three months later. They got pregnant and we have sweet pea. We got Penelope. Amen. Now, I'm not, I, you don't have enough time for me to talk about Penelope, all right? But listen, you know what? It's just like, you know, people say the terrible twos and the, and the crazy teens and all that. No, come on. Let's enjoy it. Amen. Come on. Let's enjoy family. Let's enjoy life. Amen. Let's enjoy. Listen, those of you that have parents that are maybe elderly or whatever, to look after your parents, spend time with them because one day they won't be there to go visit and to go see them anymore. Amen. So can I just tell you, have fun, have fun, enjoy your family. Family is a place to rest and to have recreation. So here's some how to's plan fun activities with your family. If you can, if you can get along, like go on vacation together, you know, if you can, you know, but uh, plan to have fun, you know, plan some activities. And, and listen, kids are inherently funny and they like humor. So as adults, we got to lighten up and we got to try to smile and we got to laugh a little bit. I'm going to say that again because I, I could tell you need to hear it again. Adults are intense because it's life, man. Kids like to have fun. <laughs> Come on, what can we play now, right? Penelope is like, I got a, I got an idea. Let's play another game. You know, she's got a lot of ideas and she wants to play a lot of games. But, you know, kids like to have fun. And, we, and you know, the reality is we like to have fun too. You know, I go back to Pastor Larry Myers, and he said, you know, he said, smile as much as you can and laugh as much as you can because there's coming a day when you wish you could do either one. And isn't that true? And so, listen, life is hard. Life is a grind anyway. Well, listen, let's not make it worse by pouting and having a long face like a Missouri mule eating sawbriar on a frosty morning morning. <laughs> let's smile. Let's relax. And let's have a little fun in life. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Now, the third and final reason family health is so important is that the family is the foundation of spiritual development. How do you build a spiritual foundation in your home? It's the foundation. The home is supposed to be the foundation of spiritual development, which means, you know, you know, whenever Tanya and I worked with the youth and we worked with them for almost five years and we talked to parents of teenagers and, um, and, and, you know, we'd talk about their spiritual development and we would say this to them, listen, we are here at the church and as a youth group 
to just support what you're doing. You need to teach them about the Lord at home, and we're going to help you. That got, did you notice how quiet it just got? But you know what? Our mentality is, I'm just going to drag them over here to church, and you teach them about Jesus. No. The home is the foundation for spiritual development, not the church. The church is supposed to reinforce what you're teaching them at home. Remember, fathers, discipline and train your children in the ways of the Lord, right? And so Ephesians 6, 4, whenever it says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, the focus of our parenting, it says fathers here, but I think you can put mothers there too. The focus of our parenting should be to bring up our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You know, what happens a lot of times is when parent, when teenagers see one thing at church and they see another thing at home, it's hard for them to buy into it. It's hard for them to accept it. So that's why it's so important that our home be the foundation of training. The message translation says, take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. So what that means is, Daddy, you have to teach them the way of the Lord. Mama, you have to teach them the way of the Lord. They're under your supervision, and you have more influence on them to a certain age than anybody else. And so having them at church for an hour on a Sunday is not over going to override the however many hours in a week that they're at your house. Are y'all with me out there? And so Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he won't depart from it. You got to train them up, which means you got to teach them. You got to teach them about, about, uh, you know, how to work, how to be responsible. You got to teach them respect for authority. We talked about that. But you got to teach them how to worship God. You got to teach them how to serve others. You have to be the example of Christ likeness. And so the home is supposed to be the foundation of spirituality. And I, I didn't plan on saying this, but I'm just thinking about this. What happens if you have a, a non, a spouse that's not on board, they're not believing. You do the best that you can to be the best example that you can. Because listen, the scripture says, listen, if your spouse will live with you, even though they're not a believer, let them stay because at least there's godly influence in that home. And there is a lot of stories in this room of people that are serving God and somebody in their family wasn't, but somebody was, and it had a great impact. Amen. Are y'all with me out there? So let me ask you, those of you that are, this is not a parenting class, but those of you that are parents out there, what is your goal in parenting? What is your goal? If you think about it, and we're going to talk about this in a few weeks, but if you think about it, you can teach them how to work. You can pay for an education. You can give them a degree and they, you know, they can get a good job, make a lot of money. But really the most important thing, 
whether they accept it or not, is they see Christ in your home. Right? That's the most important thing you can give them. And I'm telling you, there's testimony of people that were raised in Christian home. They threw it all away. But you fast forward 10, 15, 20 years, they finally come back to it. You know what? What made mom and dad's life work? You know, I think it was God. And they go back to what their, their roots are. Are y'all with me? So that's why I say don't throw away hope, man. <laughs> Listen, if your kids are still breathing, hang on. Amen. It's not over till it's over, right? A second way to build a spiritual foundation in the home is to build a spiritual foundation by making the home a ministry center. 1 Corinthians 16, 15 in the Living Bible says, uh, Stephenus and, and his family were the first to become Christians in Greece. And they are spending their lives helping and serving Christians everywhere. How many of you know the strongest family is a family that's Christ-centered? And it's not just they go to church. They're Christ-centered. Let me just stop for a moment to say that. Listen, Christianity is not attending church. Christianity is something you do with your life. You got a Lord, you got a Savior, and you serve Him. Amen? Which means it translates over into your house, at your home. And so your home has to be like a ministry center. It has to be a place where, where everybody in your family sees compassion. And they see a love for others and they see you reaching out to the down and outers and, and those that are struggling and those that are trying to find Christ. And they see you trying to reach out to those that don't know the Lord. And it's a, it's a, it's a center. Amen. And so listen, the strongest family is the family that ministers together and nothing binds a family together more like when they serve together. And keeping God's purpose for your life, the focus of your family, will accomplish that. And so I want to encourage you today. Obviously, parents, your first responsibility is for you to serve God because you, you know, you know, parents will do this. They'll say, I, I'm a, I want my, I want my kids to know God. So I'm going to bring them to church. I'm not really interested in that, but I, it's important. I, I, I want them. Well, no, they're going to do what they see, not what you say. So the first places you got to serve God, right? But then after that, you got to lead your children. You got to hold them by the hand and show them the way. And then third is commit your life to not just being a Christian, but to serving God. Does that make sense, gang? For a family to be healthy, that family needs not just believe in God, but to serve God. We need to have families that have faith in action, right? And then the fourth and final way to build a spiritual foundation is setting the example through your personal commitment. And that's what we just talked about. But you know, your family can only be as strong as your relationship with Christ. You know, the number one ingredient, I think, to, to guarantee a, a relationship, if you're not married, if you're a boyfriend and girlfriend, put Christ in the middle of that. Let Christ dictate that relationship. Keep biblical boundaries in that relationship. That relationship will get stronger if you got Christ in the middle of it. Amen? Now, if you are married, commit to that relationship 
and put Christ in the center of that relationship because your marriage can only be as strong as your commitment to Christ, right? It's like this. God's here, you here, your spouse is here. As you get closer to God, you get closer to God. If your spouse doesn't, you're closer to God, but y'all didn't get closer together. And so some pe- some spouses are growing, but the other one's not. But if you both grow, man, you're growing closer together, you're growing closer to God, and you're fulfilling God's purpose. Amen? Everything in your life crumbles through the storm if you don't have Christ as a sinner. And Jesus, to conclude, Jesus told this story in Matthew, 20, in Matthew 7. He said, therefore, in verse 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. You know what Jesus is saying is you have to have a felt a healthy family to build a strong spiritual foundation, but you can't have a healthy family unless you live your life as Christ, as the center. That's the only way it can work. Amen? And what Jesus is saying is some people, they build their life on a different foundation than the rock, which represents Christ, and whenever their marriage goes through adversity, or they start having a lot of problems, whether it's physical or financial or whatever the case may be, they don't have that stabilizing factor of having the grace of God to help them get through it. And many times that family crumbles. But if you have Christ as the sinner, when you go through the storms of life, Christ will help you keep it together. And you could, you have a much better chance of surviving the storm. Amen. Would you do me a favor and stand with me this morning? Healthy families. We need healthy families. And every one of us in this room are at some level of health, but none of us can just forget about it and just coast. Because if you don't keep working on it, if you don't keep building on it, it's going to start deteriorating. So we got to keep working on it. Amen? And we're talking about family matters here. We're talking about building strong families. And, and I know that looks different for everybody. But whatever context you're, you're experiencing right now, invest in your situation. Make it a priority. Make it, make it a, a number one priority. Remember, love God, love others. And at the end of the day, at the end of your life, You will never go back and say, man, I wish I hadn't invested in relationships and I'd have stayed at the office longer. No, what you'll say is, I wish I would have stayed at that office less and at home more and focused on my family. Amen? Are y'all with me? Now, let's pray together. I want to pray with you. Remember, Jesus said the wise man is the one that obeys the commands of God. 
He listens to what God has to say, and he applies that in his life. That's a commitment that you have to make today. You have to make that commitment that I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm not going to be stubborn. I'm not going to be mule-headed. I'm not going to be hard-headed and and do what I want to do. And I'm I'm going to I'm going to submit myself to the to the commands of God. Amen. Can you do that right now and just say, "Man, I'm I'm not I'm not wiser than God. I I don't have it all figured out. I need help. I need wisdom. I need God's leadership. Can you just make that decision right now and saying, God, I want to make family life a priority. I want to make relational life a priority in the midst of of a world that's devaluing and and, and trying to run down the family. Lord, I want to be one that upholds the value of the family. Help me, Jesus. Come on, let's ask the Lord to help us right now. Father, I pray for every person in this room right now. Lord, family matters. It really does. And Lord, we want to value family like you valued family by creating it in the beginning and giving it a purpose and giving it a a destiny, Lord. And so I pray right now, Lord, for everyone in this room, Lord, that have different scenarios, different circumstances. Lord Jesus, I pray that right now, God, your grace would be released right now. Lord, to turn the hearts of, 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 of dads and moms towards their kids and the hearts of children towards their parents and the hearts of a husband towards his wife and the heart of a wife towards his husband. Lord, heal our families, I pray in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Now, the second way to build that foundation is you got to be willing to surrender. How do you build your life on the rock unless you surrender your heart to Jesus, unless you give your life to Jesus? In fact, Jesus said, you got to be born again. And I don't know if you've ever given your life to Christ like totally surrendered and say, Lord, I'm yours. But I want to give you a chance to do that today because that's where it all begins. And you got to you gotta make that decision. Nobody can make that decision for you. You got to say in your heart, Lord, I'm giving my life to you. If that's you today, and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I'm ready to be a become a Christian. I'm ready to surrender my life. I believe in God, but I'm ready to go all in today. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? And I want to pray a special prayer for you. I see your hand right here, ma'am. Anywhere else, just raise your hand so I can see it. And I want to pray for you. We're not going to embarrass you. I see your hand anywhere else. Listen, those of you that raise your hand, we're going to pray this prayer together. Can you say this with us as we pray? Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood so that our our relationships can be healed. Lord, I need my relationship with you to be healed. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to wash my sins away. I choose this day to serve you, to live for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for accepting me into your family. I want to live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, if you pray that prayer, yes, amen. God bless you. God bless those that that raise their hand. There's a card in the pew that said, I made a decision. If you'll take time to fill that out, bring it in the lobby. Bring it to that to that desk in the corner there. We have a gift for you, a Bible if you need one. God bless you. How many of you, how many of you glad to be in the house of the Lord and have Jesus as your rock today? 
Father, I pray the blessing and favor of God over the people of God today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you, you're dismissed.